the best time of the day show. So it's Friday, it's time for our omnibus, which means you can hear all the stuff you missed this week in one fell swoop. This is a sorry tale of revenge, really, and it's bizarre revenge, uh, because do you remember Steve Irwin, the Australian naturalist, who unfortunately was offed by uh, being pierced through the heart by the tail of a ray? Uh, And after that, uh, dead rays kept turning up on the beach for a while as people exacted revenge on defenceless sea creatures because they thought maybe they were the one that did it or just wanted to take out their wrath on them which is a bit ridiculous frankly and i suppose this is in the same th- same vein a friend of mine worked for a top shelf magazine and uh after he got there he got there just after the editor had bought the magazine but for the you know the previous uh, sort of few years there had been a ban and being a top shelf magazine in the in the late 70s and early 80s it was brilliant because it was before the days of the internet and so therefore you couldn't really advertise things like cigars and cigarettes and booze with impunity on the television and billboards and things like that so top shelf magazines were the place to put those adverts so therefore this was a, mo- a money just making a gold mine it's a gold mine this magazine however it was an aspirational magazine as well like playboy and it also had learned articles about things like the bluebell railway and and the mallard and things like that and lancaster bombers they thought that their audience were just like that but they knew full well as they were typing this stuff out in their office that no one was going to read it they just wanted to look at the bosoms but upscale car manufacturers would advertise so you'd get sort of bentleys in there and jaguars and things like that and you know bmws and audis but strangely no mercedes so why don't you why doesn't mercedes actually advertise in your magazine ah thereby hangs the tale the owner well should i say the widow of the owner of the magazine yes drove a mercedes yes and yes he died tragically yes in a car accident ah yes don't tell me he was driving a mercedes he was driving a mercedes and as a result his widow refused ever to accept an advertisement from mercedes after that i think it's the wrong way around they should have tried and got as much money out of mercedes as possible but still that was the way it was so mercedes uh, were banned from advertising in this magazine Fairly early in my career, I had a job whereby I was sent around the country from local radio station to local radio station, sometimes for a matter of days, sometimes for a couple of months. And uh, one of the first outposts was Middlesbrough, where I worked at BBC Radio Cleveland, as it was known in those days. And of course, just turning up there to work for a couple of three weeks, if you were there for three three weeks, four weeks, you didn't want to spend the time in a hotel because it would, you know, use up all the expenses you got. You see, you got expenses being the BBC. So it was better to try and get some digs. And it was suggested that... uh, uh, it was winter, it was January, it was perishing cold, about 1980, I think it was. And it was a good idea if I moved into these digs that some of the other people at the radio station shared. And uh, it was run by two elderly Scottish ladies. And what it was, it was a big old house, and there was an annex out the back with individual rooms. And so, therefore, I was allocated an individual room, which was absolutely fine. And it was perfect for a couple of weeks, and suddenly we came back one day to discover that all the electricity was off, and so was the heating. And so he went to the landlady and said, excuse me, uh, there's no heating and there's no lighting and there's ice on the inside of the windows. I'm having to get dressed by the light of a torch. 
this isn't very good. He went, ah, well, yes, we can't do anything much about that at the moment. Uh, we have a problem. I said, what, well, you, can you get an electrician in to fix it? I said, no, 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 it's, not a, it's a personal problem. I said, well, what sort of problem? Well, it seems, you know, there's a flat at the end of the annex, yes. Well, it seems that there are women in there and it's turned itself into a brothel. Again, right, OK, so we're trying to get them out. Yeah, but then again, you've got a whole lot of other people living in this house and we're freezing cold. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Well, as soon as they leave, we'll turn the heating and the electricity back on again. Well, bearing in mind that there's a certain amount of chafing will be going on in this brothel at the end of the... They're probably far warmer than we're going to be. So I refuse. In fact, and we've got this, we, we, we went on a rent strike. And they went, well, I can understand the fact that, uh, you know, you're cold and, and there's no electricity, etc. Uh, but you've got plumbing and it doesn't leak. You know, they've got a roof over your head. So how about we knock about 10 or 15% off the... No, that's absolute nonsense. I'll not pay a thing. I refuse. I refuse to pay. And this went on for about three or four weeks. And it was absolutely freezing cold. And we refused to pay, refused to pay. But unfortunately, you know what it is? I'm, I'm just such a wuss with this thing. That's why you don't find me at the front of demonstrations. And so on the final day, I was due to leave Middlesbrough. I did my final shift. And... Uh, what I'd done was I'd left the rent money in cash on the windowsill in the bedroom. But as I was sitting there in the studio, the phone rang, and it was one of the elderly Scottish landladies. You've not paid. I went, well, frankly, uh, it's been appalling. You've treated it as appalling. How I get, went into pomposity overdrive. And uh, I said, frankly, I shall not be recommending your establishment to anybody in future. To which she replied, well, if they're anything like you, we wouldn't want them here any for in the first place, <laughs> which served me right. And uh, I slunk away. But um, some years later, I drove past. I sort of worked up there. I drove past this building to find that it's been burned down. So whether or not there was someone desperately trying to keep warm with a paraffin heater, which tipped over, I don't know. Or uh, perhaps <laughs> there was a, a marauding pimp may have come round and set fire to the place. Or the ladies may have torched it for the insurance. Working a world of nights as I have done, spending more than, I think, probably three quarters, if not more than that, of my working life in the dark hours, you end up thinking grand thoughts and thought, really, if you turned the world upside down, so day was night and vice versa, things actually will be a lot better. And so, therefore, it was that in mind we decided it would be a good idea if, in fact, politics was only taking place at night. So all the major decisions should be made by people who worked at night, all right? Because there's a clarity of thought at three o'clock in the morning that you won't have when all that hubbub is going on at three o'clock in the afternoon or in the rush hour or something like that, or when you've just woken up. So we decided the best idea would to have a nighttime parliament. So therefore, we would make all the laws, and frankly, they would be far better than the ones that are in existence at the moment. And we realised that, in fact, the parliament should only consist of people who worked at night, because, of course, they, if you want to know suffering, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning in February, frankly, and so therefore, these people, the night workers, have a far better idea of what needs to be done with this great country of ours. But the thing was, what sort of laws should we enact? Because most of the laws basically seem to work fairly well at the moment. But there are one or two things that we should decide that people would be penalised very heavily. Taxation is always a big problem. And we were trying to work out how taxation would work. And we thought, basically, if you're working nights, you shouldn't be taxed at all, frankly, because you are suffering so much. But the people who should be taxed the most, and uh, we're not talking necessarily about the uber-rich or anything like that. No, we thought, and stay with me on this one, because this is actually uh, quite a tricky uh, sell, but I, I, I like the idea. Bearing in mind that when you are 
working nights if you're around during the day you're kind of tired and a bit on the fractious side so therefore what you don't need is people talking in cliches to you and saying blindingly obvious things so therefore we decided that anybody who said anything blindingly obvious to you would actually be taxed with in 19 and 11 pence like the beatles were in 1966 or whatever 19 and 11 pence in the pound so if you were sitting there on a park bench worn out after your night shift at four o'clock in the morning or whatever or eight o'clock in the morning and people were going to work and, you, and they went cheer up it'll never happen right 19 11 in the pound for you sunshine and uh, all that uh, standing and being the loo and someone go Whew, this is where all the big knobs hang out eh? 1911 and that's it and so that we would actually bearing in mind if you just listen there would be no worry about paying off the national debt or anything like that because you just listen look at the television listen to the radio there's a cliche turning up every two or three seconds so therefore that way we can wipe out the national debt within a week or two i reckon one of the things that I've enjoyed a lot in my career is the outside broadcast. I say enjoyed, they're sometimes fraught with difficulty because you just never know what's going to happen. And also there's a, a good chance that something's going to go horribly wrong at some particular point. Or you could be miles and miles and miles away from the radio station just ready to go on air and realise you've forgotten something really, really important. But occasionally you get invited out somewhere and you think, you know what, that's going to be a really, really good idea. And also, I'm always willing to learn things. And I think, you know, part of our job really is to impart knowledge and try and learn things. And, and, and it, you, if you find it exciting or interesting, hopefully that will get over uh, to, to the public at large. And so, therefore, I was invited when I was in Leeds in 1981, which has quite a large Jewish community. And uh, they said, we've got an open day at the synagogue how do you fancy coming along? I thought, actually, you know what? I've been to quite a lot since because I've got a number of Jewish friends these days. I thought, that would be really interesting. And so we turned up. And, uh, of course, not knowing anything about the faith doesn't necessarily... I should have done a bit more homework. And so, therefore, they were rather more orthodox than I expected. So, therefore, there's this man who obviously hasn't seen the inside of any place of worship of any particular denomination for years and years and years, rather scruffily turned up to the synagogue in Leeds for its open day and uh, we had a, a contact a, a woman who uh, uh, eventually turned up and i went oh hello there and i stuck up my hand to shake her hand she says i can't i am unclean thinking right i don't think we're going to talk about that at lunchtime on the radio particularly okay fair enough so we chatted about this and that me keeping my hands in my pockets in case i accidentally touched and caused some terrible sort of uh, religious faux pas but one thing that i thought well this is going to be something that's going to be really good because a i'll be able to learn stuff and b it just sounds like a great idea and as this is the first day of this uh you know welcome come and have a look at our synagogue thing uh this is going to be really good you know it's going to bring everything together it's just marvelous and there was a machine in the corner it wasn't it wasn't like uh, if you've ever seen the woody allen film <laughs> sleeper which is set in the future where he has two robot jewish tailors uh, nothing like that at all there was a machine in the corner of the synagogue which had a sign on it saying automatic rabbi you know what does the automatic rabbi do you know do you put coins in and pull a handle or, or whatever or is it a bit like a, a catholic confessional you go in there and and it it, it does it absolves you and stuff like that and uh, so i said to this lady who i wasn't allowed to touch because she was unclean i said uh, can i have a go on the automatic rabbi and she said it's broken and swept off and that was the end of that really the best time of the day show is back Monday. Please, please stay.
best time of the day show is a loading zone production. La di da.